We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Stender, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. To share your thoughts about this podcast or others, please visit facebook.com slash jcastnetwork. Over uh, over the course of the past several weeks, uh, as some of you know, I've been uh, teaching a, a class with uh, my, my very dear friend, Reverend Holly Woodruff, uh, on uh, the Nevi'im, the, the prophets of the Hebrew Bible. Uh, and some of you have uh, uh, been in that class, uh, and uh, it's been really a joy to learn with you. And, and one of the things that I came to notice about the prophets that I'm not sure I ever really noticed before about them. What I, when I studied about the prophets, when I thought about the prophets, you know, I think about um, their um, what what Heschel calls the fact that they speak, you know, an octave too high, uh, that they uh, that they. Uh, uh, have this uh, great sensibility of the divine pathos. They 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 hurt for uh, for the things that hurt God, and they're angry about the things that anger God, and they're joyous about the things that cause God to rejoice. Uh, and so they they talk to people in um, in consonance with that divine pathos. And sometimes that's hard uh, for the people that they speak to to hear the prophets as we uh, go through them are not always uh, the most popular uh, characters. But what I often noticed about the prophets is, uh, is their uh, moral condemnation of the societies in which they lived, of the people that comprise the societies in which they lived, and their demand for, uh, for people to return, to uh, return to align themselves uh, with the right path, uh, or else bad things would happen. So many of the prophets pretend uh, doom and destruction, Jeremiah most famously. But one of the things that I noticed about the prophets uh, this time around is that, yes, all of those things are true, but one of the most common features of prophetic literature, of the literary prophets, is that they also complement those uh, uh, those Jeremiads, to use a prophetic term, those those moral laments uh, and, uh, and and sermons about uh, what's going on in their world, they complement those with visions of hope. Just to give you a very clear example of that, uh, and one that actually may be familiar to many of us, uh, we read the first chapter of the prophet Isaiah uh, on the Shabbat before Tisha B'Av, the Shabbat before we commemorate the destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, it starts with Chazon Yeshayahu, the vision of Isaiah, uh, uh, and it's a vision of, uh, of, of doom and destruction because of the wayward uh, moral state of the children of Israel, and so we prophesize the ultimate destruction of Jerusalem, which we then commemorate on uh, Tisha B'Av, and that's in the first chapter of Isaiah. But then, in the in the second chapter, there's another prophecy. So just one, just several verses later, there's another prophecy. The word of Isaiah, son of Amos is what he prophesied concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, he says, the mount of the Lord's house shall stand firm above the mountains and tower above the hills, and all the nations shall gaze on it with joy. 
And the many peoples shall go and say, Come, let us go up to the mount of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may instruct us in his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. Ki mitzion tetzei Torah, udvar adonai Yerushalayim, Because uh, Torah shall come forth from Zion, and the word of God from Jerusalem. Thus will, he, uh, will God judge among the nations and arbitrate for many peoples. V'chitetu, they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Lo yisagoi el goi cherev lo yomadu od milchama. Nation will not take up sword against nation, and they shall never again know war. And we're familiar with those words, I assume. Some several of those verses that I quoted from the second chapter of Isaiah. We may not realize that that's where they come from, but indeed that's where they come from. So complementing Isaiah's vision of destruction and his condemnation of a society that has led inexorably toward that destruction is a vision of ultimate restoration, of a perfected state of the world that will happen at some time in the future. The prophets hold these things simultaneously, the broken state of our world as it is, and an unshakable faith that in time to come things will be better. That spirit, I think, has permeated Jewish tradition. So much so that in the darkness of the Shoah, in the pit, in the depths of the concentration camps, one of the most frequent refrains, one of the most fervent prayers was Anim Amin Be'emunah Shlema Be'viat HaMashiach. I believe with complete faith in the coming of the Messiah. Ve'apal pi she'yitmameah im kolzeh achakelo bechol yom she'yavo. And even though he may be delayed, even though he may tarry, nevertheless, I will wait for him every day that he is coming. Part of the Jewish spirit is the is enduring the challenging times by maintaining a hope in what might yet be, and never relinquishing the hope of what might yet be. There's a uh, uh, a, a, a teaching by Rabbi Nachman of Bratslav, uh, uh, and it's uh, now a, a common bumper sticker uh, in Israel. That there's no such thing as despair for a Jew ever. There's no such thing as despair. Because as, as dark and as troubling and as challenging and as painful and as bleak as the current moment might yet be, what it means to be a Jew is to believe with perfect faith that there is a redeemed world, a perfected world, a better world that is yet on the horizon. And so we don't wallow in the despair. We don't get stuck in the darkness of the moment. We look forward to that ultimate day and we keep on, as I mentioned about Sima, speak to the children of Israel, why are you crying out to me? Why are you acting as though there's nothing you can do when you're at the banks of the sea? 
speak to them, make them march forward. Keep on marching forward. Why? Because who knows? There might be possibilities on the horizon that you're not yet seeing. There might be redemption at hand, and you just can't see it yet, but we keep on going. This is hope. It's not optimism. It's hope. I was talking with Adira about this during the week as I was thinking about this Devar Torah, and I was saying, you know, uh, is there a difference between optimism and hope? And here's the analogy that we came up with. Optimism is looking at a cup that is filled to halfway with liquid and saying that the cup is half full. That's optimism. It's, you know, like Monty Python, always look on the bright side of life. That's optimism. And there may be a time and a place for optimism, but that's not the same thing as hope. Hope is having an empty glass. And saying, even though this glass is empty, one day it might yet be filled. And so I'm going to keep the glass. And I'm going to know that at some point when I'm most thirsty, I'll be able to find water if I keep on holding on to that glass. That's hope. That's the difference between hope and optimism. And so after the crossing of the Sea of Reeds, the children of Israel and Moses sing a song. And then shortly after that, we read the verse, Vatikach Miriam HaNeviyah, Achot Aharon, Etatov Biada. So Miriam the prophetess took, the, Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a drum in her hand. And all the women went out after her with, uh, with, with, with drums and timbrels. And so Miriam responded to them, Sing to God, for God is great. Horse and driver have drowned in the sea. And the Midrash, in uh, the Mechilta, the Midrash on uh, the book of Exodus, asks, why did they have drums and timbrels with them? Think about that for a second. You're leaving 200 years of slavery some people say in the dark of night before Pharaoh has a chance to change your mind. So, uh, so harried are you to get out that you don't have time to let your dough rise and you have to put it on your back so that it will bake in the sun into delicious matzah. You have no time. It says chamushim alu b'nei shami in Israel that uh, that uh, that they went up armed out of the land of Egypt. So okay, so maybe they they took they took weapons with them because who knows what they would encounter on the way. They they prepared for the worst. But where did the women get the drums and the timbrels? And, well, yes, maybe from the Egyptians. That's a, that's a direct answer. But the answer is that they took them with them from Egypt. Why did they take them with them from Egypt? The Midrash says, <coughs> They were righteous women. Moved tachot they knew they had certainty or belief that God would do miracles and wonders for them with their exodus from Egypt. Now, how did they know that? Why did they believe that? Of course, they had no way of knowing that. Because it hadn't happened yet. But they had a certainty about it. They had hope that it would happen. 
And so they prepared themselves. That's the important thing. They prepared themselves because of that hope. That's the difference between hope and optimism. With optimism, you are always looking at the bright side. With hope, you believe that things one day will be right. And with that belief, you prepare for what will happen when those things come to fruition. You march forward as though the things are going to ultimately happen. You prepare the way. You come ready. And so the women left Egypt with drums and timbrels because they believed that miracles were going to happen for them. And when miracles happened for them, guess what? They were ready. They had drums. And they had timbrels. There's so much there, I think, for us. Because there may be times in our life where we feel stuck where we feel mired in the darkness. There may be times in history where thoughtful people, intelligent people, people who can read the tea leaves, see what's going on, a sane person would be driven to despair. Because look how broken things are. There's no way out of this. But the Jewish spirit says the opposite. It says that things are bad now, but they are not destined to always be that way. And there is redemption on the horizon if we ready ourselves to march forward and greet it. My teacher, Rabbi Sharon Brous, likes to say that uh, Jews are moon people. Moon people. Right now, we were talking about this last night at dinner. It's this beautiful full moon outside. We're very close to Tu Bishvat, the middle of the month of Shvat, uh, which means that it's a full moon. We mark our calendar by virtue of the lunar cycle. We mark our new month when it's a new moon. When the moon is not visible. Why? Because later that month, we'll celebrate a holiday with with the coming of the full moon. We're moon people. When we see darkness in the sky, we keep on counting. We keep on moving. We keep on preparing because we believe that that moon will come once again. We celebrate Tubishvat. Tubishvat is an incredible holiday because we celebrate the holiday of the trees in the depths of the winter when there's no leaves on the trees anymore and it's it hasn't felt quite so much like winter sometimes in, in Richmond over the past uh, several months, but Believe me, it's wintertime, as balmy as it may be sometimes outside. It's in the middle of winter. And nevertheless, we celebrate the new year for the trees. Why? Because we can't see it, but there is sap starting to thaw and rise up in the trees that will, in several weeks' time, start to blossom into leaves and flowers and buds on the trees. We can't see it, but we believe it's coming. And so we celebrate. That's what it means to be a Jew. It means to be a moon person. It means to be a Tubishvat person. It means to look at a world that is bleak and dark and say, the sun is coming. The light is coming. The blossoms and the fruit are coming. And our job is to act 
as though we are building toward that eventual future. We keep holding the cup, even though it's empty, because we believe that it will one day be filled. Some of you know that I am a Star Wars fan. And so I want to conclude this Devar Torah, this idea about what it means to be Jewish and hold hope even when it feels like hope is lost. Even when it feels like a sane person would despair and nothing can be done. When things are so broken, how can they possibly be fixed? The Jewish response is to believe that redemption, that completion, that perfection will one day prevail and it's our job to march forward toward it. So in The Last Jedi, the eighth episode in the Star Wars saga. Princess Leia has, or General Leia at that point, has uh, been uh, uh, injured and she's recovering and so uh, Admiral Holdo uh, uh, takes over command of, uh, of, of the resistance. And there's a lot of turmoil and chaos and sadness among the members of the resistance. And Poe uh, the best pilot in the resistance uh, is panicked. And so he's trying to come up with a plan of how to escape this uh, bad situation and fight back. And Holdo reminds him of something that she says Leia used to say. She says to him, hope is like the sun. If you don't believe that it will eventually rise, you'll never make it through the night. And indeed, in our Torah portion, the word that I use to describe, that's usually translated as the children of Israel went up armed out of the land of Egypt, chamushimalu, sometimes the commentators say that it means echad mechamisha, that only one in five Israelites actually left Egypt. So the Midrash asks, what happened to the other four-fifths of the Israelites? And it says that they stayed back in Egypt because they were still encompassed by the plague of darkness. They remained in Egypt because it was dark, and they didn't believe that they could move forward toward the light. Only one-fifth of the people, our ancestors, ultimately, believed enough in the possibility of light that they kept on walking even though it was dark. And God willing, one day we will find ourselves able to see the dawn, able to see the coming of the sun, because we kept walking, even though it was dark.